Good morning, Soul Sanctuary. It is great to see you this morning. My name is Jordan. You're done, right? We're good? Okay, yeah, we're good. We're good. Uh, my name is Jordan. I'm the Student Ministries Director here at Seoul. And uh, this morning we are continuing our series on vision. It's been, I guess this is week four, uh, on, a, on a refined vision this summer. And, and today we are capping off the last section of that vision. Week one was what? Absolutely. Okay. I feel like the teacher who nobody wants to answer right now, but okay. I, week one was no God. There it is. Now it's on the screen, so you don't have an excuse. Week two was what? Was no freedom. Week three? No purpose. And today is week four of our refined vision here at Soul Sanctuary, and we are talking specifically about making a difference. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for each person that you've brought them here this morning to hear from your word. Lord, I pray for each and every high school student who's going to camp today. God, that even now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would just start a new work in their hearts. And here as we sit and we listen to what you have to say to us, would you stir in us a passion to make a difference in this community and ultimately, Father, to change the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Here at Soul Sanctuary this summer, we have been framing everything that we do through the lens of that that was there on the screen a second ago. No God, no freedom, no purpose, and make a difference. And this has allowed us to explore new conversations and to, and to pray bigger prayers, scary prayers in fact, and to dream for the future of the Soul Sanctuary community, for this neighborhood of Linden Ridge, and ultimately our city and our province and our nation. And, and through that, there's a lot of exciting things happening. And what this vision really outlines for us uh, is a series of next steps where we are able to continually move deeper in our relationship with Christ and in our relationships with each other. And this Christian life that, that, that we're on, this journey, this is one of process. Maybe not always progress, but definitely process. The fact is, is that none of us have it all together, that we're not perfect. We have not arrived, and in this life we won't arrive, but we are in process together. And it's actually the joy of the Christian life, and, and specifically Christian community, is that we are all in it together. Now, for me, the process of coming to know Jesus as more than just an intellectual concept happened about seven years ago. I, I was in my first year of university, just taking too many classes, working too many jobs and too many hours, and just struggling to get by. And I was challenged. I was challenged to intern here at Soul Sanctuary, working with junior high students. And I came in working with junior high students, and I can just remember the first semester absolutely loathing it, completely hating the process. But over the course of that year, God changed my heart to the point where I looked forward to every Friday night. I looked forward to the opportunity to invest in our students. And because I, I spent the time there, and over, over the course of that investment period, the Lord changed my heart. And, and I found purpose. And I went from, from purposelessness, undeniably, in that first year of university, to an express purpose of helping others meet Christ and, and walking with them through that discipleship process and learning what it meant, means to sit at the feet of Jesus. And last week, Pastor Jordan McClellan, he talked to us about 
Number three, no purpose. And if you haven't watched it, go back in the podcast and watch it because the importance of purpose can't be overstated. Do you know the reason that you wake up each morning? Do you know why you roll out of bed? Do you do it just because you do it or is there purpose motivating your action, motivating every single thing that you put your hand to? When you know your purpose, all of your action is directed through that purpose. And then you end up with the potential of making a difference in the lives of others. And that's exactly where we are going to go this morning. Make a difference. We love difference makers in our society, don't we? In a way we love them, in a way we we fear them because difference makers often bring change. But in a way we love the heroic tale of somebody making a difference. My wife and I, uh, we were in the theater last week. We saw this movie. It just came out. It's called Crazy Rich Asians. Anybody seen it? Just me and, and one youth who loved it, apparently. Uh, it's funny, okay? So in this movie, there's the, the, the main conflict. Without spoiling it for you, the main conflict rests between a, a, a daughter, prospective daughter, and prospective mother-in-law. And this is like the whole conflict. Uh, it's relatable for many people, and I think that's why it has such a broad range, and, and, and people like watching this. There's conflict in the family. You ever been there? So there's a daughter and a prospective mother-in-law, but the daughter doesn't come from the right family. She's not rich enough. She, she, she doesn't have a father in her life, and, and this is not some, somebody that the mother-in-law wants her son to spend the rest of her life with, or his life with. And so in, as the movie kind of unravels, there's this moment where, of course, uh, the main female character, the girlfriend here, she hits an all-time low. And just the words and the abuse directed at her is too much for her to take. And she has the moment of, uh, of course, crying in her bed and everything is falling apart and, and it's not as it should be. But then she makes a choice. She makes a choice to stand up against her mother-in-law uh, in truth. She stands up against her mother-in-law in in truth. She takes the truth and she approaches her mother-in-law with it. She has this boldness that that she hasn't had for the rest of the film uh, or or at any point before this. She has this boldness and she approaches her mother-in-law and she she lays down the law is what she does. And it's in this moment of strength and victory and total awkwardness reeking off the screen that everybody in the theater is cheering for this daughter. Because she's standing up to the man. She's standing up to her oppressor. And she is in the process making a very significant change in the plot line of the movie. And we love cheering these people on, but we don't like to be them all the time. We love the stories, though, of people who do something big. They do something dramatic. They make a difference in society or in people's lives. And we are then inspired by those stories... And we are inspired to go do what? To make a difference too. If that person can have an impact, so could I. Somewhere I could figure it out, I can make an impact. These people are often driven by love. They're driven by purpose. They're driven by passion. And they go and make a difference. And we desire that for ourselves. There is something attractive about difference makers in our society. Maybe not always attractive about the conflict that comes with change, but about making a difference. Anybody who operates with purpose, has the power to make a difference. If you know why you do what you do, if there is intention behind your every action, then every encounter that you have with another individual is a chance to change their life. 
You have the power to make the difference, to make a difference in the lives of many. Making a difference is, in fact, the call of every Christ follower. When Jesus called his disciples, he simply said, come follow me. But they didn't just passively follow him throughout his time on earth. No, they they committed their whole lives to him, and and there was active following, or, or following which was partnered with action. And we find that specifically in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go into all the world. He empowers his disciples to go, and to go do what? To make a difference, to go make more disciples. And not only do you have the power to make a difference in the lives of others, I would argue that you actually have the responsibility to do so. Turn with me to Matthew 5, 13 to 16. It's up on the screen. This is Jesus. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, fire hazard, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Salt should be salty. Lights are meant to shine. They're not meant to be hidden. You and I are difference makers. We are salt and light for what? For the glory of God. We have a responsibility to bring God glory by being salt and light. This morning, we are going to be super practical about where we're going. We're going to boil down three simple ways that we make a difference. And if you don't have your pen out or your iPhone out right now, I encourage you, open up that notes app, because this is serious. This is important. We're going to simply put, explain three ways which you can make a tangible difference in somebody's lives. The weight of this is enormous. This is important. Listen to me. This is important. The way you make a difference, the hands-on, ultra-practical, we're not heads in the clouds speaking fluffy academia today. We are practical. I was going to make a university joke, but... (laughs) Where am I? Got it, got it. Soul Sanctuary, this is quite literally, all the the drama of this moment is not going to be there when I say this, but we are quite literally this morning explaining and talking about how you change the world. Wasn't as dramatic, was it, right? But consider this for a moment. It's cliche, change the world. Every fifth grader wants to change the world. And then at some point, you reach like the age of apathy, where changing the world's not a thing anymore, and you just settle. But this morning, we're going to look at the scriptures. We're going to identify three ways that you impact somebody's life. And when I say change the world, I'm not speaking facetiously. I actually mean it from the bottom of my heart. Because one life impacts another life, which impacts another life, and impacts another life, which impacts the world. We have the opportunity here at Soul Sanctuary to be involved in incredible global partnerships. Pastor Jerry was just talking about his time in Russia. And to see the difference that we have made as a body of Christ 
uh, as, as a small C local church here, on the global big C, the massive difference that we have already made, that excites me. And that shows me that we have the power to change the world. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right, said to build back up the drama. Three simple steps to change the world. And the first one is quite simple. The way that we change the world is that we carry. In Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia, he instructs them in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The Galatian churches were struggling with what it meant to live in the reality that Jesus was the Messiah. They were caught up and they were adhering and maintaining to Jewish custom. And there was a lot of conflict in the church because of this, specifically with Paul looking as, as a pastor, as a mentor into the community and saying, hey, 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 let's, let's straighten up. Don't listen to those people trying to influence you in this way. This is the way of Christ. And this is what Paul outlines right throughout Galatians. Uh, This is a church that is wrestling with with what it means to to draw dividing lines, an insider and and an outsider, and who belongs in this community and who doesn't. And Paul is very quick to let them know this, that first, they have the power to be inclusive. And second, that they make a difference in each other's lives by how they conduct their actions. And specifically in 6-2, in chapter 6, verse 2, he instructs them, carry each other's burdens. Our first core value at Wildlife Youth, the youth ministry here at Soul Sanctuary, is that you cannot do life alone. You can't do life alone. You need others to come alongside you, and everyone needs others to come alongside them, uh, to support them, to carry their burdens burdens. You were never created to just exist. You were never created uh, to to walk this globe alone and have no contact with people. We are social animals. It's in our nature. And specifically within the body of Christ, this is dramatically important. Let's be real. How many of you know that life can get hard? This is not rhetorical. Some of you haven't lived yet. How many of you know that things can get heavy? This is life, people. And we walk this life not alone, because when we do it alone, we're in trouble. But when we carry each other's burdens, for those of you who haven't experienced uh, hardships before, which about half of you, uh, let me break it down for you. How many of you shop at Costco? All right, let's talk about hardships for a minute, all right? But half of you shop at Costco. Maybe it's the half that has never experienced any trauma in their lives. So Costco, um, when I go to Costco, actually, how many of you are one-trippers? So like from the garage to the kitchen, it's one trip, all the groceries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about efficiency and Costco, right? I'm a one-tripper. It's like it is just in me. It pains me to go back to the car and get the rest of the groceries. So when I go through the Costco lineup, I bring my own bags, and then that person's quickly to, like, shove, like, the bread in the bottom and then, like, the heavy meat on top of the bread. I'm like, whoa, 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 okay, I got this, all right? And so I specifically distribute the weight in the bags, knowing that I can carry two bags on this shoulder, two bags on this shoulder, bag here, a bag here, and two bags in both hands, all right? I know what my body can take. 
So I'm like, I got it. Thank you so much for, for wanting to, to squish my bread. But I got it. And so I pack these bags, and I load them into the car. And then I get home, and I load them all up. And I navigate a parking garage, two hallways, and four flights. And I get to my room in one trip. Now, there was a plot twist about three weeks ago. I bought Costco-sized toilet paper. You been there? And I tried. I swear I tried. I put all the bags on, and it was alongside a regular grocery shop. And then it came time to somehow hold the big, the heavy, and the awkward Costco-sized toilet paper. And I couldn't do it. It was too heavy. It was too awkward to carry by myself. And let me for one second draw the comparison. Sometimes life is like the Costco-sized toilet paper. It is too heavy, it is too awkward, and you can't do it alone. And all the one-tripper's hearts are breaking because they know what I'm talking about. You need someone else to carry that toilet paper up the stairs if you're going to do it in one trip. Or you just need patience. (laughs) But this is life, is it not? Life gets heavy. Life gets awkward. And we can't do it alone. This is where we, as the body of Christ, must intervene to help each other. We help carry the burden. Carrying your burdens or carrying burdens for others will mean personal sacrifice for you. There is no doubt about it. The Apostle Paul knew exactly what he's talking about when it comes to personal sacrifice. This is going to cost you. You will be sacrificing your time undeniably. You will probably be sacrificing your money to carry somebody else's burdens. But uh, uh, carrying somebody else's burdens could be as simple as being just a safe, listening ear who's not interjecting, not offering advice, but just being there for somebody in a time of grief. Uh, being or, or carrying somebody else's burdens could look like cooking meals for those who you know are overwhelmed. It could be as simple as comforting others in times of loss. But we are instructed quite simply to carry each other's burdens. If you are doing life alone, you can't carry somebody else's burdens. And even more so, if you're doing life alone, you can't have your burdens carried. Now, I'm speaking to to you in here, but I'm also speaking to myself, if I'm truly honest. Some of us in here are way too proud to let others carry our burdens. You and I, we think we can do it by ourselves. Somehow we get into our head that to ask for help is weakness. I I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where that's the case. I can't make an argument for pride, for personal pride, where I shut everybody else out and just do it by myself. I don't see it in the book. The fact is simple. We're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to do it on my own. You're not strong enough. Let me poke your ego bubble for a second. You're not strong enough to do it on your own. Your pride is not noble. It's not impressive. To to endure hardships, to endure troubles and trials on your own is not something to be proud of. 
In fact, I would argue that it's actually sin and it needs to be repented of. If you think you're that good, the church, the body of believers, is the bride of Christ. He loves his people and he intended them to do life together in the context of the church. Now, this gets messy. This can get real ugly, but at the end of the day, it is family, it is community, it is the body of Christ doing what the body of Christ is meant to do, to carry each other's burdens, not to suffer quietly and fake it on a Sunday morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a lot of comfort in that. Let's break it down. Praise be to God, Paul says. The God of all comfort. Our God is a comforting God because he has comforted us in our troubles. But why has God comforted me and you? So that we can comfort others. That's what he had planned here. God is a God of comfort, bringing comfort to you, bringing comfort to me in our trials and in our troubles and in our hardships. Why? So that we can then comfort others with that same comfort we have received. This is the body of Christ working here. When we recognize a hurting brother or sister in our community, we have a responsibility. A responsibility. That means it falls on our shoulders to stop and to carry. We have a responsibility to lift the burden off of their shoulders. We move into the hurt. We move into the pain. We don't run from it. We move into the brokenness and we lift up the awkward, heavy, Costco-sized toilet paper and bring it to the room. Do you hear what I'm saying? We carry. And that's how we make a difference in this world. The second way that we make a difference this morning is that we give. Here at Seoul, when we teach on giving, it consists of three things. Time, treasure, and talents. You have time, you have treasure, and you have talents. And when we are gifting our time, our money, and our ability, it is one of the ways which we as individuals, but also collectively as a community, make a difference in this world. Take a moment, a little audience participation here, think back to those people who impacted your life the most? Who has had the biggest impact on your life? Think about it. Who has shaped you or taught you incredibly valuable lessons, built character into you? Think about it. Now, what role did that person play? What was their position in your life? Perhaps a teacher, perhaps a mom, perhaps a dad, a grandfather, grandmother. Shut it out. What role did they play? A pastor. What? A pastor? A dad? A father? Uncle? What else? A coach. Okay. What else? Parents? I heard it again. 
What else? Give me one more. A friend. The role that people play in your life to make a difference. We all have difference makers in one way or another, whether it was significant or, or massive. We have those different makers. But what is the common denominator between a friend, between a parent, between a coach? The common denominator is that they give selflessly of their time, of their treasure, and of their talents, especially a mom and dad. They give selflessly of their time, of their treasure, and their talents. And I think back to, to some of the, the big influencers in my life. I remember my high school soccer coach, and, and just the fact that I, I was allowed to be on the team was a miracle in and of itself. But then moving forward, I think about the, the spring practices that seemed like they happened every single night, late into the evening. I, I think about the times where she would open her classroom door so that we could just come and hang out and converse with one another and, and maybe converse with her and get advice on what's going on in our, in our lives as high school boys. I, I remember um, specifically the team meals that she would prep and execute all out of her own pocket for a, a, like 18 high school boys. I remember those. <laughs> that's expensive, he says. I know. I remember those things. And, and she gave selflessly of her time, of her treasure, and of her talents. And what was the result? I'm telling this story here today. She made a difference in my life and in the lives of so many others. She gave selflessly. 1 Peter 4, 7-11. It's on the screen. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong all glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Your talents. 1 Peter 4. Each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If you're getting hung up on this, the idea of what's my gift that I have received, it's time for you in October to sign up for Growth Tracks, a three-week commitment where you learn about this church, where you learn about yourself and how we partner together to change this world. But we have received a gift. You, as a follower of Christ, have giftings. You have abilities. And they are necessary for the body of Christ to be active and healthy. Your specific gifts are needed in the body. That's yeah, in 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul instructs the Corinthian church that as followers of Christ they are one unit. That they all play a very important role in the body. That some are an ear, that some are an eye, but they all have a role that is not just worth mentioning, but worth actively participating in the life of the community with. That it's actually needed. 
diversity is important in the body. And Paul's example is quite simple, right? Like if we're all a right hand, then we're not a body, we're just all right hands. That we need distinct abilities, we need diversity in the body. The body needs those who are strong administrators to keep us organized. The body needs financiers. We need people who are good at making money and giving it away. The body needs those who have the, the patience to listen to a high school student. The body needs those who can settle a crying child. The body needs somebody to preach and to teach. And it also needs somebody to play the bass on a Sunday. The body has room for diversity, and in fact, diversity is a core value of the body of Christ. It needs to be here. We operate differently, and this is a good thing. So you have a unique part to play based on your talents, based on your gifts. We need each other, though. And we give of these talents and abilities. You don't give of your own abilities. You give based on the capacity and the blessing that God has graced you with. And that's what Peter's saying. So that in your giving, you're not glorified, but God is glorified. When you're giving of your time, or specifically here, when you're giving of your talents, you're giving back to God what's already His. You're giving back to God what He's graced you with. When you serve here on a Sunday, when you're leading a life group, where you're working with the kids, whatever you do to serve, you are to serve, listen, you are to serve on the strength that God provides you, not by your own futile human strength, you hear? You are to serve based on the grace of God, which he has given you. That's your motivation. If your motivation showing up is selfish, if you're doing it all out of what you can do, then you're going to end in burnout, and you're going to end, and it's going to be very frustrating for you. Not to say that when you're operating out of God's grace and out of his strength provided for you that you're not going to come across hard times, because mark my words, you will. But when it comes down to the sustenance that you provide yourself or the sustenance that God gives you and the perseverance, this one outweighs this one. We're clearly called to steward our gifts from God well. And we could get into a deeper conversation about gifting and what exactly that means, but that's not a conversation for today. We utilize our gifts that we have. If you don't know your gifts, growth track, October. We utilize our gifts, we steward them well to bring God glory. You give of your time. It's your most valued commodity, isn't it? Your time. Some of you are sitting here like, I'm just sacrificing even to be in church today. I'm so busy. Your time is important. Because as soon as you're born, your clock starts ticking. Your time and my time is a very limited resource. You know, we can make more money, but we can't make more time. And if you're anything like me, you don't like people wasting your time. You know, don't invite me to a meeting I don't need to be at. Don't ask me a question that you could answer by Google. You know, like, I'll tell you to Google it. Don't waste my time. That's our society, right? We have every minute of every, or, or every second of every minute of every hour of every day budgeted for something. Time, though, is an investment. 
It's a simple economic and actually biblical principle that when you sow into something, you will reap from it. And when you sow your time into it, you're going to reap from it. There's going to be a payoff for what you invest into. Now, when you invest all your time into video games, you're going to reap accomplishments and rewards within the video game. Try cashing those ones out. When you sow and you invest into diet and uh, into a fitness routine, you're going to rip, or you're going to rip, you're going to get ripped, yeah. Uh, you're going to reap a lean body. When you sow or invest into your personal education, to a college or university, you're going to reap a degree or a credential. This is an investment principle, and it's quite simple. So consider for a moment where you are investing your time. Consider where you're investing your time. For Lauren and I, uh, we intentionally in invest into one of the most volatile markets. We invest specifically into high school students. That's a conscious choice that we have made. We invest into them because there is the potential for massive gains. There is also the potential for massive losses. And when I look at how other people's time investment portfolios are spread out, I'm like, there's not many people investing there, so that's where I'm going to go big. I'm going to push everything that I have into that portfolio. Because if I push everything I have into it, and there's a big win, man, I win huge. And it's not just me. Remember my passion earlier? I'm not winning, man. The kingdom of God is winning. And for me and for my wife, this is the best investment that we could possibly make. Now, it comes with the flip side is that sometimes there are losses, and those losses hurt. Those losses keep me up at night. Those losses are incredibly painful to go through. But I also know that we're saved by God's varied grace, and that our God is a God of redemption, and that he works things out ultimately to the good. I know that when I invest into this volatile market, they're like, why do they keep calling us volatile? They don't care. I know when I invest and that there is risk, that when the payoff comes, it doesn't just impact me, but it actually impacts the capital C global church. And not just in this generation at this time, but actually for generations and generations and generations and has changed the world. So don't tell me that we can't change the world. Where are you investing your time? And finally, your treasure. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about your money. Pastor Jerry has taught wonderfully on this in the last couple months. But I'll simply say this, that God gives enough for everyone, but he doesn't give it to everyone. That God gives enough for everyone, but he doesn't give it to everyone. Cue the local church. There is enough provision out there for everybody. But sometimes it's just concentrated a little bit. And us giving is an act of obedience so that we can help those who are less fortunate than we happen to be. You might not like this next part, but take it up with the Bible. Take it up with Apostle Paul specifically and Jesus. You can only pray to Jesus. 
As a follower of Christ, you don't have the right to your money. God has given you the ability to earn, to make income, so that you can give. God cares about those who struggle. He truly does. And his intention to provide for them is through you. I mean, and through me, so it's not as intense. He cares for those who don't have through our generosity. This is biblical principle. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. The Apostle Paul, again, speaking to the Corinthian church, he introduces the idea of a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. Uh, the Jerusalem church was impoverished. Some scholars say it was actually because they were already just giving everything away because they expected the immediate return of Christ. So they were like, oh, we just give to everybody. And so they were impoverished. Now, Apostle Paul comes to the Gentile Corinthians... And he says, will you support your Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem? And he takes up money, or he gets, he gets some of his, uh, his helpers to go through and, and to pick up money, a collection, for the church in Jerusalem to provide for those who didn't have, regardless of how they got to that position. I don't have the Apostle Paul. I don't have the Apostle Paul's level of boldness or wit um, at all. But on Wednesday night, I sat down with all of our summer camp leaders who are leaving to camp today, and I asked them to put skin in the game financially to sponsor a student to attend camp. Every single student who comes to us and asks to come to camp, we work something out with them. For those who don't have, it's three hundred bucks for a week. Sometimes it's just not in the budget, and we get that. And so we work something out, and we get them to camp one way or another. But in that, we rely heavily on the generosity of the local church. Camp is a life-changing experience for students. Students meet Christ for the first time. Students uh, have calls to ministry for the first time. Students get clarity because they've taken time away from their regular schedule and specifically dedicated it and devoted it to prayer and to, read or, and, and to connecting with the Lord. And we believe that the camp experience is infinitely important. Now through that, we rely on the generosity of the body of Christ. And there are still students who we have said yes to that <laughs> I haven't got the money for yet. So uh, if you want to write a check for 300 bucks and put it in the joy basket on your way out, just write camp on it, all right? Okay, moving on. Go online. Listen to Pastor Jerry's teachings online. The third way we make a difference. The last way we make a difference. The third way here that we change this world is that we share. We change this world by sharing the good news of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives so that others may know God. So that others might come to know freedom, that they'll come to know purpose, and that then they too will make a difference and change the world that we're living in. This is cyclical. But where does it start? It starts with us sharing. The truth is this, that found people find people. Found people, people who have experienced the grace of God, have a responsibility to then go out and share what they've experienced. It's, it's just spreading good news. If you've been found by the grace of God in here, if you have experienced redemption, liberation, and the joy that comes with that, then my encouragement for you is to begin 
to start sharing the gift that you have received yourself. Sharing the good news of Jesus can look like a number of things. Some of you are, are deathly afraid of passing out tracks, you know, as people leave the MTS Center. I mean, you could be one of those people, but maybe don't. Go back last week again. Spend time watching all the podcasts this week. Just watch them all. They're good. But Pastor Jordan MC talked about this at the end of his life lesson again last week, where he talked about what it could look like for you to share Christ with your neighbor. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world in Matthew 28 and make disciples. So how are you doing that? The truth is, Jesus has told us to go. And one of the things that we are already doing is that you and I are always going. We're busy. You're going home. You're going to church. You're going out for lunch after this. Then you're going back home. In your going, are you sharing? If we're always going, then how are we making disciples? Are you baptizing somebody on the way home from church today? I hope so. But track with me for a second. We are always going, so start small. Do people know that you are a follower of Christ? Or is that, is that a truth that you just conveniently hide? Just don't tell anybody. It's like religion comes up and you get out of there. Do people know that you're a follower of Christ? Do people know that you go to church on Sunday? Are you living authentically in every area of your life? Like if Jesus Christ has truly changed your life, if he has truly uh, redeemed your heart, if he has truly brought you hope, then do you hide it? I mean, we don't put the basket on the light, right? We put the light on a stand. Do you invite people to your life group? Do you invite people to church? It's easy. I'm going to stand up here every single time they give me a microphone, and I'm going to tell people that Jesus Christ died for your sins out of an abundance of his love, that he came to earth and actually before his death, he lived the same life that you and I live. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to struggle. But in an act of love and in an act of, of reconstitution, our relationship and God, Jesus brought us together through his death, through his sacrifice. And on that cross, he took upon your sin and he took upon my sin. And he died dead. But the hope comes in the fact that he was resurrected, that he came back from the dead, that he ultimately defeated death. And in that, he ushered in a new way for us to communicate with God, a new way to live life by the power of his Holy Spirit brought down from heaven to earth to rest among us here. That's the good news of the gospel, that through Jesus' sacrifice, uh, our pain and our suffering and our addiction... That that slate is wiped clean. And that we are able to journey in process and progress with the risen Christ. A God who loves you. A God who cares about the intricate details of your life. This is the hope. And so do you invite people to church to hear that message? Do you invite them to life group to begin asking some of the questions that they might have in their life? This is how you share. We can't invite your friends for you. Maybe the biggest one. Do you pray for those who don't know Christ? 
Do you pray for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus? I mean, our time is finite. Right? Our clock's ticking, yours and mine. And do you pray? Do you ask the Lord to reveal himself too? Do you pray for the hearts and for the souls of those who do not know Jesus? And I think the simplest way to boil this down, a simple prayer that you can start praying right here, right now, and then when you leave this place and make it a a, a habit to continue to pray, is, Lord, what are you up to, and how can I be a part of it? God, what are you up to, and how can I be a part of it? I'll play any role. I want to see people come to the life-saving knowledge that I have found. So, God, what are you up to, and how can I be a part of it? And then just open your eyes. Then just look around a little bit, because he's going to show up. And when he asks you to scrub the poop off the toilet like I did this morning, just bite your tongue and do it, because you prayed and you asked. And when he puts something really inconvenient in your way, just remember, you asked. When he asks you to give all your time, or I mean all your money, just remember, you asked. Is your skin in the game here? Do you share? We at Soul Sanctuary, as the local church here, we have the power to change the world. And don't write me off as some like optimistic idealist who's got his head in the clouds because that's not the case. We have the power to change the world. I truly believe it from the bottom of my heart and I'm going to labor every single day and I hope that you would join with me and that we could do it together to change the world together. It comes through our carrying. It comes through our giving. It comes through our sharing. And when we do this, specifically when we partner together to do this, we start to see some exciting things happen. We see brokenness made whole. We see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We see things occur which are not natural to our human existence, but only come about Because of the grace of God. When we labor together as Christ intended it, incredible things happen, and I truly believe it, we change the world. (laughs) Leave it to the millennial to be like, you can change the world. It's so true, though. And if you've lost that spark, if you've lost that hope, if, if you've become dull to the fact that you can make a difference, let's go for coffee. I'm going to jack you up, all right? I truly believe it. Whatever circle you find yourself in, there is power to make a lasting difference. And that's our vision. No God, no freedom, no purpose. Make a difference. If you're going to be a part of this community, there's no sitting in your chair and just soaking it in every Sunday. I mean, if you're a guest, do that. But after a while, if you're a part of this community, If you've got skin in the game, that's the next step. We make a difference. When we know God, when we know freedom, when we know purpose, we make a difference. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, what are you up to? And how can we be a part of it? Lord, what are you up to? And how can we be a part of it? Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you inspire us to carry the burdens of those around us? Father, by the power of your Spirit, would you inspire us to give, to give more than we've given before. Lord, of our time, of our talent, of our treasure, may we give. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, bring us the boldness to share. Whatever that looks like, it looks different for all of us, God, but by the power of your Spirit working through us, may we say things, may we do things that aren't normal to us, but ultimately that project your hope to this world. God, we thank you for your goodness. You've created us in your image, beautiful yet broken by sin. But we thank you for Jesus, for the gift of salvation and for redemption. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Do you stand with me? Here at Seoul, at the end of the gathering, we do a blessing. And in times of old, the one who blessed would extend their hands. Those receiving a blessing would do likewise today. So, as you go, Soul Sanctuary, may you reflect God's love to all of creation. May you go and carry the burdens of those who are weighted down. May you go and give generously, give lavishly, and borderline stupidly. And may you go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with all you meet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be blessed, and we'll see you next week.